0: Hello and welcome to MacBytes episode 147. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co host Elaine Giles. In this episode, we have good vibrations on the road to hell. So, what about the California streaming event? You mean the great MacBytes live event that Applegate crashed? That's the one. Ooh,
1: ultra fast roundup version, nothing much to see if you manage to ignore the 16 presenters that they had on screen. So here's to October it is then. Longer version, really nice update to the iPad mini, but it feels like too little too late. If that had been released two years ago, I'd have bought one. Now, not as compelling, despite being a nice update.
0: You? I wasn't in the market for an iPad when the Pro was released earlier in the year. I'm still not in the market for an iPad.
1: Well, then there was the new iPad, not a patch on the iPad Pro from April. So I'll give that a miss.
0: Yeah, like I said, still not in the market for an iPad.
1: Then the Apple Watch. I was expecting to update. Mine is the 4, Series 4. So I was expecting to update, but this new version feels like a stopgap like the real update or at least a potential redesign wasn't ready or production issues with it. So many rumours and mock-ups of what was expected. And then this was nothing like it. Also, it isn't even available on pre-order yet. So it always has been in the past, straight after an event. Nothing really new except a tweak to the screen size. I was hopeful of additional health tracking and then I would have been interested. They didn't even mention the performance. It, it just felt like the whole thing was an afterthought, like a presentation thrown together the night before an event. <clears throat> she said, definitely not speaking from personal experience <clears throat> much. Uh, on the upside, Apple are getting way better at outwitting the leakers because this thing looked nothing like anything that had been leaked.
0: Well, if you're not having one, then I won't be because I get your hand-me-downs. Seriously, the one I have works fine, just needs charging once a day. And, you know, as long as it tells the time, counts my steps and buzzes for the goals, for the right team, of course, then I'm sorted.
1: Yes, I kind of felt like that. I think my main concern with the watches, the battery life. So mine is going to be three years old. It's well out of Apple Care. It doesn't do bad on battery life. I'll give it that. It, it did go through a phase where it was pretty shocking. So I took it down to nothing a few times and it's it's back. I could, at a push, get almost two days out of it. But like you, I do tend to charge it every night. I, I'm just going to stick with this one. I, th- I think the next one will be compelling. So if I bought this one, then I'd only buy the next one anyway. So, so let's do without this one was where I was at. Then... There was the iPhone, which has pretty much become the iCamera. That's the only part of it they take any time singing the praises of now, which is what
0: you said. It is. And to be fair, there's not that much they can do with the phone. And that's why they focus on the camera. Focus on the camera. (laughs) See what you did there. Yes. But I'm not in the market for a pro camera. So, no.
1: I was impressed that the prices didn't skyrocket because I was expecting that. I mean, how many weeks and months have we been hearing about supply constraints? And I thought "Mm, the phone will probably top the 2000 mark. So I was impressed with that. I like the fact there was a one terabyte version available. Um, But to be honest, it's, it's not for me. Not this time. If they just put the minimal improvements except the camera, That would have probably meant even fewer folks would be upgrading. Most people I've heard from either have looked at what's on offer and decided they're not upgrading this time full stop. Or if they're even considering it, it's only because their contract allows for it at the same cost. I could have upgraded this time. I have the 11, uh, but I figured there'll be another update next year and I'll just probably wait for that one. I wish Apple would do something to make the upgrades more compelling, but sadly, not this time. And before you ask what's more compelling, stunning battery life without the need for a strap on power pack would be good. It's never what they actually mention either that I tend to think about. It's always what they don't say that speaks volumes. Did you notice this time? Is it not thinner? No, it's actually chunkier than the 12. Is it not lighter? No, it's actually heavier than the 12. Not by much, but since they usually live or die by the svelte claims, you do tend to notice when it's not mentioned.
0: Very true, and as I said, it's not for me this time either.
1: Couldn't tempt you with a thing, could they not? No. The other thing that was strange, and I, obviously I, I watched every second of, of the event. The event wasn't as long as it could have been if it were live. So that—that's point one. But not even a mention of iOS 15. And I couldn't understand that. It To me, it would have been definitely worthy of mention of when it was out, usually the Friday after the event. But this time it's actually Monday the 20th, which they said afterwards in a press release, another afterthought. But I thought I would have thought personally it would have been a perfect opportunity to talk about the new features in iOS 15 and show them because otherwise people are going to be upgrading, particularly muggles. You know, there's an update. Do you want to do it? Oh, yes, I'll just do that while I'm in the shower while well, you and I are lying down, recovering from the mere thought of doing it. But when it's done, how are they going to know what's new if it wasn't in the event and they didn't you know, give some pomp and circumstance to it?
0: Yeah, totally agree with you. I was waiting for it and it never happened
1: makes me wonder what they'll do next month, fingers crossed, um, with the hardware updates. I'm not going to say iMac because that would be tempting fate because there's MacBook Pros and MacBook Airs and maybe even an M1 or an M2 Mac Mini. But the event where they're talking about Mac, because I live and breathe by Mac, I can live without a phone. Well, not live without one, obviously, but I can live without a new one. But a Mac I might be tempted with. And if they're just going to rabbit it on about stuff that's margin of marginal interest at best. I just think the operating system used to be like front and centre. Do you remember the early Steve Jobs presentations where an icon would come on the screen? And it, it I think back in the day, it was like iPhone OS two or three. And, and the room went wild. That seems to have just stopped. And I think it's sad because while the hardware, you know, Yes, give us all the spec of the hardware, but the hardware's nothing without the software. And the software this time does have some nice updates to it. So I really can't see why they ignored it. But there you go. Um, Magbytes HQ wallets, safe and sound for the duration. This is most unusual, but never mind. Move along. Well, I simply cannot let the week pass without mentioning what I think is the story of the week. It was a classic story before the keynote, but after the keynote, I couldn't stop laughing at the sheer cheek of it. Mac rumors found an Apple support document released on wait for it. Friday, Friday, the 10th of September. Friday, again. They must be trying to bury bad news, I thought. Oh, indeed, they were. Trouble in iPhone land with vibrations, not just any vibrations, mind you. Oh, no. High amplitude vibrations. iPhone camera lenses with optical image stabilization or closed loop autofocus are susceptible to this vibrational damage due to their use of gyroscopes and or magnetic sensors to help compensate for movement and vibration when shooting photos or video. The OIS and closed-loop autofocus systems in iPhone are designed for durability. However, as is the case with many consumer electronics that include systems like OIS, long-term direct exposure to high-amplitude vibrations within certain frequency ranges may degrade the performance of these systems and lead to reduced image quality for photos and videos. It's recommended to avoid exposing your iPhone to extended high amplitude vibrations. What should you do then? Or to be more accurate, what shouldn't you do? Well, don't attach your iPhone to the chassis or handlebars of motorcycles as direct transmission of vibrations can be intense. This just gets better, doesn't it? Even lower powered devices like mopeds and electric scooters could cause damage. One option is to use a vibration dampening mount to minimise the chances of any damage. I'm sure that's something we all have lying around in a drawer. But the most interesting paragraph. It is unclear whether there is a specific reason Apple has posted the document at this time. I wondered that too. But then on Tuesday, all became clear. Apple showed a video during the keynote of an extreme delivery. It was a motorcycle courier with an iPhone thrown all over the place before finally coming to rest in a wet, muddy puddle. So basically, the support document was Apple's version of Don't Try This at Home. Then I recalled a video from 2019 where they strapped an iPhone to a quad bike and rode it through the desert in a sandstorm. I found that video on YouTube, so not a result of faulty memory on my part. They really did do it. No news on what state the iPhone was in when they'd finished these endurance trials. But there you have it. Do what they say and not what they do. Lest your iPhone die a sad death and your warranty go the same way. It's probably not wise to try recreating the Cluedo advert either. Not for any iPhone camera peril, just for how agonising it was to watch it. Hot on the heels of a handful of US states allowing driving licences to be hosted in Apple Wallet, we now have news from the UK. Never want to be left behind. And now I'll have to preface this by explaining if there's a way for something to go wrong, especially in relation to tech, the UK will find it. Well, it seems the UK is going the way of digital licences, but not via Apple technology directly. Oh, no. We have the incoming joy of an app based solution, an app designed and commissioned by a government department. What could possibly go wrong? I believe the correct answer to that question is how long have you got? It was announced digital driving licences will be introduced as part of post Brexit changes to make transportation fairer, greener and more efficient. First up will be provisional licences and they are aiming for 2024, but physical plastic cards will still be available, you know, just in case the whole thing fails. If the digital rollout proves to be a success, then full driving licences could follow in the same digital system. And it's also going to impact MOT testing and certificates. The final quote from them is enough to make your blood run cold. This will ultimately give our customers personalised, easy and secure access to a range of services and allow them more choice in how they transact with us. Our services will be secure, scalable and resilient, and we will continue to explore and expand the use of emerging technologies.
0: And that right there is what we call tempting fate. In two weeks' time, Windows 11 will be with us, or maybe not. Although Microsoft announced the 5th of October as the release date, that's the date they will start to roll it out. On this day, the free upgrade to Windows 11 will begin rolling out to eligible Windows 10 PCs and PCs that come preloaded with Windows 11 will start to become available for purchase, wrote Aaron Woodman, General Manager of Windows Marketing. He continued we expect all eligible devices to be offered the free upgrade to Windows 11 by mid 2022. So gone are the days when we'd be up with the lock to queue up outside PC World. Yes, we really did do that back in 1995. And somewhere in the back of a wardrobe, we have the Windows 95 Start Me Up t-shirts that they gave us. I can probably forget any thoughts of installing it on my service on day one. Not that I would have done that anyway, When it comes to being on the bleeding edge of operating systems, I don't have a great track record. Still not done the biggles thing, have I?
1: You were actually dragged kicking and screaming to Catalina as I recall it. Although, to be honest, so was I.
0: But what about installing it in a VM so as to not miss out on the Windows 11 party? Well, I guess as long as that VM is running on an Intel-based Mac, it should be okay. But of course, long-term, that's not sustainable as Intel Macs are phased out in favour of the M1 chip. And the bad news is that, according to reports last week, Microsoft has said that running Windows 11 on an M1 Mac is, in their words, not a supported scenario. That doesn't mean someone won't come up with a dirty hack, but that dirty hack won't be supported by Microsoft. This all came after reports that users of Parallel 17 ran into hardware compatibility errors when running Windows 11 on M1 Max. something that Parallel's then fixed with a point-point update. If this wasn't confusing enough, release notes for the latest preview build of Windows 11 appear to contradict Microsoft's minimum hardware requirements document. According to the release notes, Windows 11 system requirements on virtual machines are now to be the same as for physical PCs. However, the Minimum Hardware Requirements document says Windows 11 does not apply the hardware compliance check for virtualized instances, either during setup or upgrade. Whether it does or not remains to be seen. There's no guarantee any of this will work going forward. So it looks like a return to the dark side is looking increasingly likely for me. Though what spec I go for, I have no idea. I think I've been spoilt with an iMac with 128 gig of RAM split 50-50 with a permanently running VM. I fired up my Surface for the first time in about six months. Not that I've actually had the need to use it. I've not been out of the house. And as I said, two Macs with permanently running VMs. I was amazed that it fired up. And even more amazed that it had 65% battery life left. The reason for opening it up was to test out the viability of running a Zoom meeting while screen sharing Excel and at the same time recording the screen with Camtasia. Would it cope? The answer was yes. So the Surface could become my workhorse. Although I think we are looking a couple of years down the line, at least.
1: I know the ability to run Windows virtualized on a Mac was only made possible when Apple switched to the Intel chips back in 2006. But it certainly made the potential purchase of a Mac less risky. If you still relied on a Windows app, you could always run it virtualised. And the early years of switching were all about being able to do more with your kit. It was what I would call the enablement era. And I spent my time getting excited about all the possibilities provided by the Apple kit. The software and hardware were only as good as what you could do with them and still are. Sadly, that enablement trend slowed down and now we're heading in reverse. Apple don't need to ensure that Mac hardware can run Windows software anymore. However much that disrupts your workflow, it isn't going to bother Apple one jot. I spend half my time now working around the fallout from restrictions added to the operating system, features removed from apps, apps that are sunsetted. It's not where I hoped we'd be in 2021, but it is where I feared we were heading. Oh, it makes me sad. Sometimes you stumble on a tech story and you swear it must be April the 1st. And this is one of those. Found it on the BBC tech page, no less. Researchers proudly announced that cows can now be toilet trained. Yes, I did just say cows can be toilet trained. German scientists trained cows to use a toilet. Not just any toilet, of course. Oh no, they designed a special one. Henceforth called the Moulu. No, I'm not joking. This all came from the story. Now, all this excitement took place at the Research Institute for Farm Animal Biology. The cows were lured to the mooloo and rewarded with food for um performing. Cows not performing inside the confines of the mooloo were sprayed with water for three seconds. Never having been party to this, can somebody let me know if that's how we do it with skin kids? Just curious. At a third stage of the training, the distance between the cows and the toilet was extended. And after 15 to 20 training sessions, the scientists claim a 75% success rate. If you're wondering why this is important, they claim that 10% of greenhouse gas emissions from human activities come from cattle. So now we know where the scientific research funding goes. The creation of the Mooloo. You just couldn't make this stuff up.
0: So on to something new, a challenge from you for me this week. Well, I realised I
1: don't use that many Apple apps anymore. And I'm talking the built-in supplied apps instead of other third-party solutions. So I'm including in that apps for mail, calendar, contacts, notes, tasks, podcasts, music, audio recording, etc. Both on macOS and iOS. So this was when a challenge came to my mind. To challenge you to only use built-in apps for a week and report back on how that went. Probably easier to do one app a week rather than fail at the first hurdle, trying them all at once. What do you think?
0: Well, yeah. There are certain apps that uh, just can't be used. There's certain things that just can't be done. For example, I can't really record the Brooklyn's News or record MacBytes using the the built-in voice memo app on iOS.
1: Oh, now, now, now. Don't be hasty. Some do. But let's just call that a triumph of hope over expectation. Do you know, I used to use all the built-in apps when I switched to a Mac back in 2006. Before I switched, I used Outlook for mail contacts and calendars and I had one note for notes, although Outlook also had notes. Outlook had tasks as well, although I'm thinking back and I I honestly don't remember putting that many tasks in Outlook. And I know I didn't have another app, so maybe I just didn't have enough to do back then. you know, to need to manage it. Oh, those were the days. But Outlook itself was a right royal pain. It slowed down after three weeks of using it as the mail was pop three. So I had this monthly reset thing going. So pop three email actually downloaded from the server and it got stored inside Outlook, hence it's slowing down every three weeks. So the monthly reset was where I archived off everything and created a new PST which is the file that Outlook uses to store this stuff in. So Outlook stored everything it downloaded in the same PST. I I hated that system, but that was the only way around it. And I look back now and think, can you imagine having mail where you actually download it and then it's not available from another device? It seems idiotic. And yet we lived like that.
0: I was just thinking that myself. That you'd download it on, on your computer and then you'd go to another computer and, and the mail's not there.
1: Not unless you hosted your PST somewhere, which, you know, back in the day wasn't a thing unless there was an exchange server involved. And, and
0: that wasn't a thing yeah, either. It reminds me of, of, of my mother when when she says, Outlook's not working. Like, she texted me at the weekend and she said, advanced warning, because I normally ring her like half past nine on a Saturday. So 20 past nine, I was out with Lola. And she texted me and she, she said, advanced warning, computer's broken. Anyway, I fixed that. <laughs> and if Outlook's broken, it wasn't Outlook, but this time. But if Outlook's broken, she'll say, I can get my mail on my phone. <laughs>
1: no and he sits there and she's like why is it on the phone and not the computer well it would be if outlook was working but oh it is it's crazy isn't it oh happy days looking back not uh, also back then so we're talking pre 2006 podcasts weren't a thing for me i wasn't watching or listening i did have music and i'd ripped my entire music collection and i had them organized manually to within an inch of their life and i played them via winamp Oh, happy days. Do you remember Winamp?
0: I remember Winamp. It had like, um, didn't it have a graphic equaliser thing?
1: It did. And you could also open up extra panels on it. Um, one was the playlists. One was looking at your file system, I think. Was that the one that had a llama in it? I've I've got vague recollections of it involving a llama, but it was a long time ago. But I just, I just went on was just great. It was, it was fantastic. When it came to actually recording my own audio and editing audio, I used an app called Goldwave. It was quite expensive in its day. I think it was about £40. But it was a lifetime license. And I remember when I installed Windows on, I think it was my physical Acer which was from about 2017. It's like, oh, they brought a new version out. And I went to 1Password and it's a lifetime license. And I thought, oh, what foresight and put that in. So Goldwave is still going strong. It was a very good app. When it came to mobile use, I had my Sony Cly and that was just stunning. Even by comparison to what an iPhone can do today, that really was pretty good. It's, it's sad it went away. But I, I do have very happy memories of that. I could get that to synchronise with Outlook. And I'm talking in the early 2000s. I mean, Outlook wouldn't synchronise with Outlook, never mind something else synchronising with Outlook. So that was really an achievement.
0: That's more than I could do. I tried to get it to synchronise with my uh, work Outlook, but it, was, it wasn't.
1: Well, that was probably on Exchange Server and there you go. There was your problem.
0: Yeah, it, it it wasn't having any of it.
1: But once I switched to the Mac, I used Mail as being, well, Mail's there, so I'll use it. For two years, it was only secondary to Outlook on Windows. So I used the IMAP part of it. So it, I, it wasn't Pop 3. I wasn't downloading it onto the Mac and then trying to do some kind of Frankenstein, gluing two halves together. It was still primarily that I managed my Mail on Windows using Outlook. But I did have like a little window on my mail via the mail app at the time. It was iCal, not Apple Calendar. And I loved iCal. I did. And the address book. And at the time, I I had concerns that I'd be going from one app to three. But the three just worked. I was concerned it would all feel fragmented, but I ended up loving the simplicity of it. It did really just work back then. My notes were all in Circus Pony's notebook. Again, I absolutely adored that. I think the thing with Circus Pony's notebook was when you were going from Windows to the Mac, the interface on Circus Pony's notebook was a notebook. You you could say it was skeuomorphic, which it sort of was, but in a good way. We're not talking padding and stitching it was like a notebook and it had tabs on it and you could add your own post-it notes and have them sticking out of the pages. It was stunning. Obviously, long RIP, but at the time it was stunning. Tasks were a bit of an issue. I did have Omni Outliner. And while you could put tasks in Omni Outliner, you know, getting clever with them would have been tricky. So I used these um, scripts, Apple scripts, called GTD Kinkless Scripts. It was, it worked, but oh, was it manual. And it was a nightmare to keep everything up to date. But I think that was my first real introduction to GTD and trying to deploy it that way. Um, then there was podcasts. I did start listening and watching podcasts and that was in iTunes and the music was in iTunes. And for the audio recording that I was using Goldway for on Windows, although that we were talking now just recording, not editing, uh, I used Audio Hijack. And there, obviously, there are a million apps for audio on the Mac. So once I'd switched, I did have an app for everything. And then, of course, the iPhone came out in 2008 and my abiding memory. And it wasn't an initially when we got the phone, which was June from memory. This was like two or three months later. And I'd already configured my mail. And by this stage, it wasn't POP3. You you were at the stage where you were looking at mail everywhere. Do you remember about three months in, we had this inbox, inbox, inbox thing?
0: Oh, yes. inbox. That's like iPad, iPad, iPad.
1: It is. It was hideous. Um, you would organise your mail and it was fine. And then as you went into your inbox, instead of seeing the mail, you would see another folder that would say inbox and you'd tap on that and that would show you another folder called inbox. Russian dolls to about seven levels. And finally, you saw your mail. And I hadn't changed anything. So it had been working perfectly. Same old story. eh? It was working perfectly. And then all of a sudden it it wasn't. And oh, the culture shock of like,
2: oh,
1: it's broken. Wasn't good. Uh, We tried to fix it. It wasn't just us; many people reported the same issue and it turned out to be an Apple issue. So although I did use the mail app on my iPhone, I have I'm damaged (laughs) in a certain way by what happened then. But I did use the mail on there. I did use iCal or calendar. I did use address book or contacts when it came to notes. I've never used the notes app. And I know the notes app wasn't available initially. Or was it? Did it just not have the pencil thing? Because I have this abiding memory of the week we got the iPhone. I don't know what I was doing there, but we were in Tesco's car park in Sale, which is on the roof of Tesco's. And Mike was, we, we we needed about, you know, five or six different things. And Mike was going in and he had his phone in his hand. So I'm sitting there waiting for him to bring up the notes app and type in what we need. At which point he gets out a scrap of paper from somewhere and a pen and and wrote it out by hand. So that's much, how much trust you
0: had in the notes app. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> I know that was initially. <laughs> do you not remember that? I do now you've said it. Yeah. And I...
1: I actually said to him, you do realise you've got a notes up on your phone, don't you? And he said, can you remember what you said?
0: Oh, yeah, probably.
1: No, it'll be faster with a pen and a piece of paper. It's like head desk. But you did. You did. Um, No, for notes, I used Evernote because Evernote was launched uh, early 2008. As soon as OmniFocus came out for iOS, I used that for tasks. And of course, I still had iTunes for music and podcasts and I got myself an app for recording, which was iTalk, And that was fantastic. It worked well for years, but now it won't run for me. But it's working fine for Mike. So either he hasn't updated something or mine's just decided to die on me. So now I I need something that is great for recording. And I really can't find much that is really great for recording. But that's That's what that's when I switched. Well, got my first iPhone in 2008. Going forward to today, I've moved away from virtually all the built in apps. So I no longer use mail, calendar, address book. I've never used the notes app. I've never used the reminders app. I know there is the voice memo thing, but there's always been some degree of a voice memo thing. And that was the one that didn't work back in the day. So I realised that I've moved away from them all. On macOS, I use Mailplane, but there's a story there. It's not a pretty story, so we'll leave it. For mail, um, contacts and calendar and the mail. So mail, contacts and calendar are all in Mailplane. My notes are in Rome or Notion. I've got Things for Tasks, Spotify for Music, and I actually listen to more audiobooks than podcasts now. Audio editing wise, that became a thing. So I've got lots and lots of those apps. I've got Audio Hijack, Fission, Twisted Wave, Hindenburg. They're the primary ones, but I still have more than that. I've also got Amadeus. Oh, you name it. I've got it when it comes to audio. On iOS, I'm using Gmail, a Google Calendar. I'm using contacts when I need to, but I don't know about you guys. I hardly ever go into my contacts, not directly, but I'm using that because there's no alternative. The one I was using was Cardhop, but that's now part of a fantastical subscription that I don't have. So again, my notes on iOS are in Rome or Notion. Although having said that, I also use drafts because drafts is much quicker on iOS than either Rome or Notion. Again I use things and obviously it synchronizes again Spotify for music and I I do still listen to more audiobooks than podcasts but even on my iOS devices I listen to more audiobooks there is an option now with Audible to listen to books in a small browser pane and it opens up and it looks just like an iPhone and it's got the controls on it. And that would be grand. And I did try doing that. Uh, but Vivaldi's got this thing of when I refresh a page, it tends to refresh the audio as well. And that doesn't help me in the middle of a book. So I have have steered away from that. Um, audio on iOS, mm, in terms of recording, it's still a bit of a mess because I don't have an app that I'm happy with for recording. I did have. And if you remember, it went subscription, which I wouldn't object to, but they wanted something silly, 20 odd pounds a year to just record stuff. What's the matter with them? So uh, I skipped that. So where are you up to?
0: Well, I think my history was quite similar to yours. Obviously, I used Outlook both at home and at work. At home, it was good old POP3 and susceptible to corruption PSTs because there was no cloud-based mail in those days. I actually came across many people at work with PSTs over 2 gigabytes. Usually, um, it was people that would um, email me uh, or ring me because their email's broken. So they had to, to <laughs> ring me because there was no there was no Teams or, or Skype or link in those days to ping me. Um, so they'd ring me and they'd say, Mike, can you help me? So I trot over to their office and um, their PSTs were just broken and it was because the pst was over 2 gig in size because although it, i think it could be over that that was the point of no return if you like um back in the 2000s that that was crazy large and at that point for any
1: file back then that would be big yeah. but for a file like a pst that needs like granular level access, that that was never going to work well, was it? And wasn't no. it across a network at
0: work? It was across a network. Yeah. Um, There's no point saving your PSTs on your local drive because it never got backed up. So the, the whole PST would have to travel across the network every time it was, it was open. Which
1: was why when I went into companies, it would be like they're logging in we're starting training at half past nine and they're they're trying to log in at nine o'clock and it can take them half an hour to log in. There was one particular day and we were sat there and it was quarter to ten and somebody was still trying to get logged in. When they did finally get logged in, I looked at their desktop and I said, you know, are you using like network access points for this? And it's like, yes. And I looked at their desktop and I said, "Are, are these aliases or are they the actual files? No, they're the actual files. And we realised that they had downloaded five gig to their desktop. And that's why, and it took them 45 minutes to to log in every time. And that was why. Uh, In the break, we cleared their desktop and then logged out and logged back in. And it logged in in like 30 seconds (laughs) and they swore blind. They would never, ever put anything on their desktop again. That was before we got round to their Outlook PST, of course.
0: Well, going back to PSTs, I remember one particular lady who I was trying to help with her corrupt PST and she was on the verge of tears and she said, it's my life's work. Crying out loud, <laughs> it's your email, get over it. <laughs> yeah, if, 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 if it's important, they'll mail you again. Notes, calendar, contacts, um, I think I used Outlook for them all. Uh, music, I didn't play a lot of music, but I do seem to remember that it was on CDs. So I had uh, a good old CD player built into my Windows machine and then upgraded to...
1: Yep, a, Apple put paid to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, upgraded to a DVD. And then, of course, like you say, Apple... Uh, Apple. Do you remember every that? event I
1: predicted that this would be the event we'd get um, a Blu-ray?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's like the iWork update, never going to happen. Now, when I when I switched to a Mac, I must have used mail, iCal and address book. I can't remember for certain, but what alternatives were there at the time? So I, I must have used those. I used, as most people did, iTunes for podcasts and music. In fact, my iTunes library is on my 21-inch iMac, which is unplugged and not in use somewhere in MacBytes headquarters. That many Macs, we can't find it, you mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Thank goodness for Spotify is all I can say. iOS on the iPhone, uh, again, same as you. I initially used the built-in apps, but who didn't? For Notes, I used Evernote. I used OneNote. I even used the built-in Notes app. Uh, iTunes for music and podcasts iTalk for recording. Was there a built-in app for for recording? There was,
1: and it was very skeuomorphic. It looked like a microphone. But the problem with it was, I, I know it didn't actually say voice memos. It said it was the recording app, I think. And therefore, I assumed you could just use it and it would keep recording. Either for however long you wanted, depending on the storage you'd got on the phone, or by breaking it up into individual files if it was a file format that needed breaking up. No, it just used to stop recording whenever it felt like it. So sometimes you'd get eight minutes, sometimes you'd get like four. It, it was ridiculous, so it had to go.
0: Do you, remember, do you remember a sound recorder on Windows? I do. Yeah, that would stop. I, I don't recall using that much either. <laughs> that would stop
1: recording after 60 seconds. There you go. Yeah. I mean honestly come on 60 seconds you'd get longer wouldn't you on an answer machine. <laughs> so what were they thinking?
0: <laughs> this is true this is true. You mentioned iTalk before I've still got iTalk as you said and it still works for me but my phone is still on iOS 13 although it probably won't be for much longer. I'll uh, I'll take no. I'll take it up to 14 which will kill off iTalk. Um I've, I have moved away from virtually all the built-in apps now. So on the Mac, I use uh, the Mail. Uh, for the Mail, I use Gmail in a browser. For the Contacts, I use the Contacts app. For Calendar, I use BusyCal with uh, the non-subscription um for no you mean the old version The old version. you
1: mean the fossilized version that's, of Physical because that's the one i'm using that's
0: the one interestingly and i don't know if this is a limitation because i haven't paid for the upgrade the aka subscription but go on, on what's dropped off the end yeah well on this mac i tried to add the united fixtures calendar and it won't add it now it's a Google Calendar, so it should just pull it straight through. So unless maybe
1: it's a Liverpool fan.
0: Well, yeah. Unless I'm I'm doing something wrong, which is, is most likely. It could be. A, well,
1: to be honest, you, that's that's not a showstopper if you can't add it in BusyCal because you can add it in the back end of Google Calendar. Mm. If you go into the settings of Google Calendar, you can import it in there. I know. I know it's more of a, a bind. No, it's it in it's
0: in Google Calendar. It's a calendar I created. So it should just have pulled straight through to BusyCal. So it's personal then? Yeah, maybe it's because I didn't pay the bill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine though? You think, oh dear, things are starting to drop off the end. I'll pay for it and it still doesn't work. (laughs) Because that's my usual saga with BusyCal, to be honest. Do you know, they used to be fantastic. Do you remember when you actually sent a mail in and you got to talk to the developers? Mm. And then they got that customer services agent in who really is is like that the Hannibal Lecter of customer service agents don't let them loose near the public no but there you go
0: there you go um, notes you said your notes are in roman notion my notes mm-hmm. are my notes are all over the place <laughs> oh yes that does not surprise me no um, i use things for tasks and i use spotify for music And on iOS, uh, I'm using the Gmail app for Mail. I'm using Google Calendar for Calendar. And I'm using the Contacts app for Contacts, only because there isn't a Contacts app for Gmail, for Google. Uh, Otherwise, I'd probably use that. My notes are still all over the place. I know. I I
1: can vouch for this. I know they are. Yes.
0: Um, Spotify for music. And for podcasts, I use Downcast, or as we call it at Macpies HQ, Me Doncaster.
1: Wasn't that an autocorrect once? I try. I said to Mike something about, well, I was trying to mention Downcast, and and I think it autocorrected to Doncaster, and it's been called Doncaster ever since. It
0: hasn't. It's easier than arguing. For those people not in the UK, Doncaster is a, a place in uh, Yorkshire, probably about 60, 70 miles from here. Anyway, rather than going full on for a week with uh, all the built in apps, like you said, we agreed that I'd pick a built in app and use it for a week whilst being able to use apps of my choice for the other functionality. So for week one, I've chosen to focus on mail. So I'll be using the built in mail app on my Macs and iOS devices. To prepare myself, I moved the Mail app from the Apple folder on the last screen of my iPhone to the home screen. And I moved the Gmail app icon to the last screen. And the idea is that I won't be tempted to use the Gmail app.
1: Because that went so well, didn't it, with the switch from Chrome to Vivaldi? Well,
0: I was just about to say, obviously, that's harder on the Mac with my muscle memory because I'm still typing command space chr instead of viv or even browser which you set up for me
1: eventually it will stop mike just type browser and be done
0: eventually um anyway we'll see we'll see how it goes this week
1: and while you're at it i assume you will be thinking up a suitable challenge for me
0: yes i will Hmm, what can i do Something to torment me, obviously. Take your toys away and make you use Windows for a week.
1: Oh, no, no. You know what you could do that's worse, but now you can't because it's my idea. You do realise that that there's actually three Android tablets in the house. Oh, yes. (laughs) No, 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 no. That was my idea. You can't use that one now. You'll have to think (laughs) of something even worse,
0: probably. Well, we'll see how that goes, will we? We will. I'll report back next week. So I decided to take the plunge and install iPadOS 15 on my iPad Pro, but not on the phone. I tapped to install 15, but it insisted on updating to 14.8 first. And then a message popped up. It said it needs at least 20% battery whilst connecting to a power source. Well, at this point, it was on 12%. And then it took about 20 minutes to charge up to 20%. Do you know, we can never
1: accuse you of being prepared for these updates, can we? Oh, how many app updates did you have as well? 77. Oh, that's not actually bad for you. Not n- Nowhere near touching the three figures mark.
0: No, well, eventually... 14.8 finished installing, and then it was a case of tapping the button to install 15, uh, and 30 minutes later, voila, it was done. It put some random widgets at the top of the screen. Uh, there was the clock, there was the calendar, and there was the weather, and a random photo for some reason, it just picked a photo. Was it a dicey random photo? It wasn't you and it wasn't me. So yes, it was. That's a, all right. A, then. <laughs> I suppose it was a random dicey photo. Uh, the first job was to remove all the widgets that it added. And uh, then I could start from scratch because that way I can add what I want, not what they want me to have.
1: If I see that weather app again, I think I'll scream. I updated four iPads. I started with the 2017 10.2, followed that up with the M1 iPad Pro, then the 2015 iPad Pro first gen uh, 12.9 and the 12.9 2017 iPad Pro second gen. It was way faster to install on the 2021 M1, I can assure you. The 2015 took two hours to download the thing. That was before it even got going. The M1, eight minutes.
0: Well, I looked at Live Text and I found that it wasn't supported on my 2017 iPad Pro. It is supported on the 10s and later, the iPad Pro 2020 and later, the 5th gen iPad mini, the iPad Air 2019 or later, and the iPad 2020. Just not on the one that I wanted to install it on. Well, don't worry. Didn't miss anything. Uh, I had fun with this one. I've not done any
1: iPhones yet. Same issue as you with the 2017 iPad, which I did first. So once I got it installed on the M1, there was no little text icon. Had it upside down. Not available via the camera, but it does work via existing images. As long as it's enabled in the preferences, which it is by default, and there's two places in the preferences, I'm assuming on a phone, but just the one on an iPad, but it is enabled by default. It works but it isn't as seamless as I was expecting. I tried it with a name and address and it couldn't get past the fact that the text was an address. Repeatedly wanting to take me to Maps, I just wanted to copy the text. So for me at the moment, it's bordering on being a gimmick. For extracting text from images, I've already got a couple of much
0: better apps. It might be better on the phone, I suspect. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Then I looked at widgets. I added one to display documents from craft and one to display email. For me, nice idea, but it ruins the symmetry of the home screen. Or maybe I'm just old and anal with OCD you know, I was thinking widgets would be the best
1: feature added to iPad OS until I tried them there. I found them quite fiddly to set up. Removing one makes the entire screen reorganize itself. And it never looked how I wanted it to look. Once I had finally persuaded it to put things where I wanted them, I turned the iPad to portrait mode and it looked an unholy mess. So back to the drawing board with that one. Once I'd set them up again in portrait mode, Changing from portrait to landscape didn't upset it anymore. So why I, why I needed to do it twice, I have no idea. But I'm not actually sure that I'll stick with any of these widgets. The only one that was useful was a new Excel sized widget from Things. It's a special four day view uh, that's only available on the iPad. It might be a slow burn or a complete non-starter. Watch this space. I'll report back.
0: Well, I never installed iOS 14 on my phone and I completely ignored the app library on my iPad. And I must admit, I don't get it. One tap and it displays a set of folders named by Apple, each folder containing apps, folder names and contents based on a topic such as entertainment or social, I know it's pretty much like the launchpad on Mac OS. Um, you, you, you tap once to display the apps in folders, tap again to close the app library and return to your own setup. Well, I've still got some apps in neat little folders, but I'll be honest, I actually now, unless the icon is on the dock at the bottom or in a folder right in my face, I just swipe down and use the search to find an app. Although I do like um, the app library when it's on screen that you swipe down and you get this A to Z list of apps with the A to Z index down the side. It reminded me of the contacts app.
1: Do you know, I've never really bothered with app library. Now it's on the dock. I took a look. Complete waste of time for me. Doesn't it just replicate exactly what you could do with the standard view on any standard screen? The 80s Z bit, as you mention, is the best bit, but it just feels redundant to me. You guys need to tell us how you use it. Go on, you might inspire us because at the moment,
0: neither of us are particularly impressed with that, are we? No, but something that did impress me is split view. I find that much more intuitive with the three dots at the top. So you run an app, you tap the three dots, you choose split view or slide overview, and then you get this pop-up which tells you to choose another app. So you tap another app and hey presto, screen is split. It's much more logical than the swipe up from the bottom and the drag the the uh, app's icon into an empty space. And the other thing that I like is that when you've got the two apps and you've got them in split view um, and then you want to close the window, in iOS 14 it was treated as, as one window and both apps were shut and now it's treating them as uh, independent windows. So you can just close one but not close the other.
1: I do use split screen. Uh, Live streams mean I need about 15 screens. So I have my notes on three quarters of the screen of my iPad and the YouTube chat on the other quarter. And I think this is a way better implementation. But to be honest, it shouldn't have been this easy to use all along. I have no idea how a muggle would even have attempted to use it before. It just it was it was a hidden gem of a feature. But like you say, it was not intuitive to use. So I, it was a feature that I used. But, you know, you had to go out and do the Googles of like, oh, so I can do that. and I can do that. And if I did this, that would happen. But not, you know, we, we always say with Apple, don't there? There's no instructions to just find your way yourself. And I did. But I, I think this implementation is how it should have been all along. So the deed is at least half done. No iPhones were risked at this point, obviously. That'll potentially be this week's adventure. But there's still features that I'm actually looking forward to trying. The new focus modes might solve a problem that I was at breaking point with last week. I even had to deploy you, didn't I, to do the Googles to try and find a potential solution. (laughs) And it was one of those solutions, massive air quotes. It worked the first time. And then I relied on it and then it didn't. So I'm hoping focus mode might help with that. Then there's the Safari interface to grapple with this new thing where everything's not where it should be. I'll be trying hide my email, which is part of iCloud Plus. iCloud Plus being the new version of iCloud, you're automatically upgraded to if you're on a paid plan. Obviously, it's too much to hope that this is the version of iCloud that actually works, but a girl can dream. And finally, I can't wait to try the Quick Notes feature in Notes. Six years later, it's what the pencil was made for. And if only Mike could find his pencil, you'd be able to try it
0: too, wouldn't you? Yeah, it can't be far away. I haven't left the house in 20 months. But you know what? I should have just stuck an air tag on it. There's a song in there somewhere another live MacBytes After Hours on Friday. We'll have the usual fun and games together with demos and deep dives. Do join us at nine o'clock UK time. It just wouldn't be the same without you. Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions, comments and queries by email to thecrew at macbites.co.uk or use the contact form on the website. We also have a very active Slack chat room that's open 24-7. Simply go to macbytes.co.uk slash slack and join the conversation. You can follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thomasmike. You can follow me at twitter.com slash elaine giles.
3: And you can follow me at twitter.com slash
0: So until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye,
2: and see you next time. Psst, what's that noise? Psst, Siri, is that you?
3: Of course it is. Hurry up, woman.
2: Hurry up to do what?
3: Hurry up and get in here, before they find us.
2: Why are we hiding?
3: It's the most dangerous time of the year.
2: Oh yes, you're right. It's iOS 15 upgrade time, isn't it?
3: It is, and I'm not risking it anytime soon.
2: Not after the last time, you mean?
3: I most certainly do. That update made me sound like a posh yuppie from the 80s.
2: I recall it very well. You sounded like you had your interface caught in a door.
3: Thanks for reminding me of the full horror of it.
2: You're very welcome.
3: I was being sarcastic.
2: I know. I was ignoring that.
3: Anyway, when did this new shed arrive? Shed? Yes, the shed I've been hiding in for the last 24 hours.
2: It's not a shed.
3: Of course it's a shed.
2: I can assure you it isn't a shed.
3: It's a nice cozy little structure in the middle of the garden. If it isn't a shed then what is it?
2: I'd have thought that was obvious.
3: Go on then surprise me.
2: I'd have thought the aroma would have given away the fact it's the newly installed Mulu.
3: OMG. Is that what it sounds like?
2: It most certainly is.
3: Why have they installed a Mulu?
2: It was you that ordered the cow.
3: That I might have done. But I most definitely didn't order the Mulu.